0: Hey, good morning family good to have you with me at the digital Cathedral this morning hope you had a wonderful week and you're chomping at the bit to get into Ephesians chapter 3. we're picking our study up this morning from verses 14 and we'll take it down through the end of the chapter so if you have your Bible handy why don't you go ahead and grab it if you have a phone app that you can use that's that's great too but let's look at Ephesians chapter 3 and verses 14 through 21. Then I'll do what I always like to do. I like to bring whatever passage we're studying. I like to bring it right down into the world that we live in. So we'll try to give it some good application this morning. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. I want you to look in particular this, at this passage this morning because it, I think it's packed with truth and revelation that is very challenging, very rich, but very challenging. And has a, it has a specific target. The target of these seven or eight verses is to pull us into a lifestyle where we actually know how to live in the presence of God. So in verse 14, let's let's pick this up today, but let's look at these, as I go through this verse by verse from 14 to 21, I want you to pay particular close attention to the working that Paul challenges us to notice that is going on within us and how that working takes place to bring us into that realm into that dimension into that place of consciousness where we live in the presence of God he starts out in verse 14 Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14 and he says for this reason I bow my knees I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ so what Paul is is kicking off with is this he's saying I, I'm just blown away with everything that this message of grace has revealed to me. I'm in awe of Jesus plus nothing, and I can relate to that. When you first get a hold of truth, when you begin to to see you as the Father sees you, and you understand that this is a total work that he has done on your behalf, it does blow you away. And I I have to agree with Paul. I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I acknowledge, and Paul is acknowledging with, with bended knee that this whole thing, this whole process is about Jesus plus nothing. There's nothing that we add to this this dimension of living. So he starts that out. He sets down the priority right off and gives praise to the Father, praise to the Son for the work that they have accomplished on our behalf. Then he goes into verse 15, he starts to unwind it. He said, this one that I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 15, he says, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named." That's a very inclusive scripture right there. He's saying that this father that I bow my knee to, he said, the entire family in heaven and earth is named after that father. So Paul is is, is establishing the fact that the father is the single source of all humanity's familyhood, right? We all come from the same same source. That he is the origination of authentic identity let me read this again he said from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named now the the word family there's is, is um is the greek word patria it's it's number 3965 in your strong's concordance and it means literally lineage or ancestry lineage or ancestry i think Maybe back in my old days, I would have looked at that verse 15 and said, well, the whole family that has accepted him, that has made Jesus Christ the Lord of their life, that's the whole family in heaven and earth that he's talking about here. But that's not what he's saying. That's not what patria means. Patria means the entire lineage, the heritage of all humanity. Paul is saying, look, everything that we're going to bring to the table here, everything that I'm going to challenge you with, everything that I'm going to bring you into is not just for a select group of people. Is for the entire lineage, all of ancestry, all of humanity that dates from that time back to Adam. Or if we're reading it today, we can say that that word, patria, has to do with from now back to Adam. Every, every family in the earth, every person in the earth is included, I don't like that word included, is included in this family of God. Now he starts to build on this. He's, he's saying, all right, now you got you this established that you are the family. It includes you. You're not on the outside looking in. This includes you. Now he's going to begin to build some things into the Ephesian church that he wants to enforce that will enable them to begin to practice the presence of the Father. So now he begins to get a little bit more meaty stuff. He starts out in, in verse 14. I'm in awe of this Jesus. Uh, I, I'm in awe of the Father in heaven that the entire family of lineage back to the very beginning is named. So now he says for all of those people, he says in verse 16 that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with his might through the spirit in the inner man. So he puts a call out there to all of us and he says, here's what I want to happen. I want you according to the riches of the glory of, of the Fathers, I want you to be strengthened with all might through the Spirit, capital S, in your inner man. Now, what, what's, he, what's he getting across here? Now, I told you that these the seven or eight verses are all about bringing us into a place where we live uh, 24-7 aware of his presence. So right away, he begins to say, here's how it begins to transpire. He said, I pray that you would be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power through the spirit in the inner man that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory glory we generally think of glory as being the manifest presence of God and that's true it can be the manifest presence of God but when I did a little studying on that word this week it also said in Strong's that glory the word doxa could also mean um, the opinion of you that is always favorable I like that, I have never encountered that, but in doing just a a minimum of research, I saw that in Strong's Concordance this week, that doxic glory can mean the opinion of you from the Father, which is always favorable. So I wanna plug that into that verse, because I think it gives it some real zing. He said that he would grant you according to his opinion towards you, which is always favorable, that you would be strengthened with might through the Spirit in the inner man. So the father, the father looks on us with favor and in that look of favor, he says, look, we're gonna do a spirit to spirit connection. I'm gonna strengthen you with my spirit in your inner man. Your inner man is your spirit man. So Paul is Paul is establishing that the inner man or the spirit man is, is where we live from. This is where we become strong. This is where the strength takes place. This is where we listen to him. This is where we respond to him. This. This inner man is the switchboard of our life. And Paul says, I want you to be strengthened. He says, here's how he's gonna strengthen you. Here's how the Father's gonna strengthen you. He's gonna make a spirit to spirit connection with you. There's gonna be a life flow that comes from his spirit to your spirit. So our spirit by awareness is strengthened and it's fed by his spirit. And he does that because he looks on us with favor. So the depth of the favor that he has for us, that spirit connection takes place. And as that spirit connection takes place, all of a sudden we begin to notice his inner man gets strong. Now that's important if we're gonna walk in his presence, the full awareness of his presence, then we're gonna walk in that from our inner man. It's not gonna become, it's, you're not gonna walk in it out of your mind or your emotions, you know, your will. You're not gonna will yourself into this it becomes a work of the Spirit. And so he says, I'm gonna ensure that this work of the Spirit that takes place in you is strengthened by my Spirit. So as this takes place, then things begin to happen. As this strengthening takes place, and I know I'm talking to a lot of you here in the Digital Cathedral, that you are stronger in Spirit today than you've ever been simply because you have had a Spirit-to-Spirit connection with the Father that maybe you didn't have in religion. Grace has afforded us that, hasn't it? Grace has opened the door wide open that we can now get a spirit hookup without without uh, without facade, without veneer, without pretensions on our part that we've earned it, merited it, uh, or think we favor it um, from some way. We just we bow our knee to the to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're in awe of everything that He's done. We know that we are part of the family. Verse 15. Uh, from which he has named us all the way back, includes our lineage, includes us personally, individually, our family, every person that's ever walked the face of the earth. And he says, all of you who are in that lineage, who are in that ancestry, all of us, very inclusive, he said, I'm going to strengthen you, if you'll listen to me, I'm going to strengthen you in your spirit by my spirit. And as that strengthening takes place, I'll tell you, things begin to snap, crackle, and pop. Look at verse 17. Let's keep reading. So I'm going to remind you, as you're strengthened with his spirit in your spirit, then verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love. First thing you're going to notice, as he strengthens your spirit by his spirit, you're going to notice that Christ, the eternal spirit that filled Jesus also now begins to feel your awareness. And that awareness comes out in one form. It comes out in love. Paul's saying, I want you to be rooted and grounded in love, the God kind of love, right? The agape, the one-way love that doesn't demand response, doesn't um, demand agreement, doesn't demand that you do anything. It just loves you for who you are. So he goes back and he says, okay, let's just recap this. He said, I'm bowing my knee. I'm in recognition that I'm in that lineage, that ancestry, that he is now strengthening by his spirit in my spirit. And as that strengthening takes place, that all of a sudden I'm going to recognize that he's dwelling in my heart by faith and that I am being rooted and grounded in love. That 17th verse. Love, listen to me, listen. Love is the irresistible, invisible force that strengthens that verse 16, inner man. The strength that really feeds you is love. That's the strongest force in the universe. He couldn't couldn't, um, uh, deposit anything stronger in your life than his love. So if we're we're wondering how this inner man is gonna be strengthened, it comes from a spirit to spirit connection. It's, it's the vine and branch. And what flows from the vine to the branch, from him to you, is his love. And that love strengthens us. So let's let, he's, he, Paul is beginning to encourage them now. Now remember, he's building on this. He's building on this, and he's going to bring them into a place where he says, I want you to begin to dwell 24-7 in a full acknowledgement of the presence of the Father. That's where your strength is. That's where vitality is. That's where the very center of life takes place. So I'm encouraging you today, I'm encouraging me today to let this root system of love spread to every part of our being that the Zoe, the life of God, which is the love of God, the love that that, that creates the life that can never die, that's resurrection life. The source of resurrection life is love. The spirit that raised Jesus from the dead was the spirit of love. Love resurrected him. Love is resurrection life. Resurrection life never dies. So he's beginning to say, look, I want you to take this love. I want you to let it spread like a root system all through your very being. And as it does, it's going to nourish you. It's going it's to strengthen you. It's going to build you up. It's going to bring you into some acknowledgements and awarenesses that you, you never had before, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you'd be rooted and grounded in love. Now, verse 18 and verse 19, all right, keep, he keeps building, keeps building. He first recognizes, bows his knee, uh, includes himself in the lineage and the ancestry of humanity. Then he says in the uh, uh, 16th verse that he would grant us, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened on the inner man. He tells us, verse 17, that that inner man is going to be strengthened by, uh, by love that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith and that you'd be rooted and grounded in love. Now watch what happens when that takes place. Stay with me this morning because I, I, I want to get through these verses, then I'm going to bring it into your life today, okay? But now notice what begins, this gets really strong. Notice what takes place then in verse 18, 19. As this love grounds us and roots us, as this love flows through all every part of our being, this becomes the center of operation for us. Then verse 18, that we would be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. Now here's the potential of it, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So he he says, first of all, in in that 16th verse, that he wants us to be strengthened with might in the inner man, and he tells us how we do that is when we dwell by faith and love grounds us and love puts deep roots in us. I don't know how else to say it. Love needs to be deeply rooted within us. And then he says, when it gains root, I want you to get to know what the height, the depth, the length, and the breadth of that love is, and that will allow you then to get a fuller disclosure, a greater revelation, of this love of Christ, which passes knowledge. It goes beyond knowledge. Here's the potential of that love, that life source. As you explore the height, the depth, the length, the breadth, as you discover it, there is no limit to it. As soon as you think you've hit the depth of his love, you'll find it's deeper. As soon as you explore the heights of his love, you find it goes higher. When you think you've got a handle on how broad it goes, on who all it can include, you're gonna find it goes broader, right? There is no Debt, there is no limit to us. Every time your your divine container you think is filled with love, the container expands. Every time you think you're embracing all that you can possibly embrace, you'll wake up one morning and all of a sudden you'll find that your capacity has increased. It's you know it's like elastic, it just stretches, it stretches, it gets bigger. And that can't help but have an effect, and I'll get to it in just a few minutes, that has an absolute effect on your outward life, the way that you live, the way that you demonstrate. That presence that is within. Now, here's the potential of it. It keeps expanding. The depth, the height, the breadth, the width. It keeps growing, it keeps expanding until it says, until Paul says, that you may be filled. This is mind-blowing. That you may be filled with the fullness of God. Did you ever think that you had that kind of potential? People today really struggle with that kind of thing. We want to keep God bigger than us and out there somewhere. Paul Paul is pulling no punches here. He's saying that this love, as we explore it, as it continues to expand us, as we look at how deep, how high, how broad, how 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 far it really stretches, you'll never hit, you'll never hit the maximum. And, and, and he said, you're gonna, you're gonna be filled. This is was Paul's prayer. He said that you would become, that you would acknowledge that you are filled with all the fullness of God. See, the the filling, it's not like filling your your tank with gasoline where you just keep pumping it in, right? You are filled with all the fullness of God. Now, you're a partaker of the divine nature. You can't have any more. When you're a partaker of the divine nature, you don't get just a smidgen and then it grows. You're a partaker in it to its fullest. What's lacking is the acknowledgement of it, okay? So Paul is going very explicitly. He's like a surgeon on this. He's just, he starts out with acknowledging, bowing my knee. I'm part of the, the, the included family in heaven and in earth. Uh, then, he, then he goes on in verse 16 and he says that we can be strengthened by the spirit in the inner man. So I know I'm talking spirit to spirit connection. And he says then in verse 17 that the spirit to spirit connection is built through love. And then he goes on in verse 18 and 19 and tells us the potential of this. And I I, I can't help but be challenged. I'm I'm sitting here teaching you this morning, and even as I'm teaching you, my heart is exploding with this because I I want to experience all that I can possibly experience of it. And I haven't even scratched the surface. I know that. But the more I get into it, the more I desire it. The more I move into it, the less I'm interested in other things. This becomes the center of focus. Amen? Amen. It, it's it's going to happen in either this life dimension or the next dimension. We will we will come to a complete acknowledging and accepting and walking out of the fullness of God. That's what God intended from the beginning. He really did. All right. So let's go on to verse 20. So have you got has that challenged you a little bit? Has being filled with the fullness of God through His love in your inner man, your spirit man, through the feeding of his spirit, if he's piping to you his spirit, that ought to tell us there's no limitation to it. That ought to tell us that we are connected to something that is way beyond anything we could ever imagine. So that's why Paul says, I want you to know what the height, the depth, the width, and the breadth of of God's love is. That you might be filled with all the fullness of God. He just blows their mind away. Now do you see why he bowed his knee in verse 14? Because he, he had a revelation of how big this thing was. Most of us with our religious spiritual background, we don't have any conception of this. We think that we get a little here and it's going to be wonderful when we die and go home to heaven. We put everything off out into the future that we can just have a little snuff now. But, you know, we really don't have a whole lot to, to look forward to in this life. And I, I, I don't think that's the way Paul is designing this. But remember, he's challenging us. He's he's, he's laying down a challenge for us. I'm challenged to know the height, the depth, the breadth, and the width of God's love. I'm challenged to be filled with all the fullness of God. I'm challenged to learn how to make that spirit-to-spirit connection that pipes to me, his agape, that enables me to experience the zoe, right? Aren't you? I'm, 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 I'm challenged by that. Now watch in verse 20. Now, to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. I could spend all day, and that's really what we're talking about this morning, is all of this works according to the power that is in us. It will happen to us according to the power that is in us. Let me read this again. Now, to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly all above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Now, I find that, again, challenging because I can think a lot. I can ask a lot. But it goes beyond that first level of what we can ask. I, I think of things that I don't dare ask, but my mind goes way beyond what I ask. So he says, look, he says in verse 20, not to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above the first level, what you ask, above the second level of what you of what you think, and boy, we've got active minds. We can think. It takes us to level three. It it works according to his power that is working fully in us. So this spirit to spirit connection that he has recognized that works in all of all of the family in heaven and earth, the entire lineage and ancestry of manhood, that he's bowed his knee to in awe and recognition. He's recognizing that it's way beyond what I can ask or what I can think. It goes, it goes to the limit of the working of his power in us. Now, how big of a measure do you put on that? That's the question. How big of a measure do you put on the power that works in you? I can tell you from social media, there are a lot of people that are hung up on a level of power of God working in them and they're not going beyond it. They are blind to taking, taking the boundaries down and just saying, look, this is a whole lot further out, but I'm gonna get out there and I'm gonna find out what it is. Don't be afraid of it. So in these, in these verses 14 to 21, Paul is methodically leading them into a life that centers on the greatness of the power that works in us, which we have got to become uh, cognizant of 24-7 if we're going to live in his presence. It's the life that he's wired us for. I think that's why Paul said, you know, it's a spirit-to-spirit working, that our spirit would be strengthened with all might according to his spirit that works in us. I think Paul is trying to tell us, this is the life you were wired for. This is a life that is the most fulfilling to you. This is the life that's the most exciting, and I find Christians that are bored, or you know, they think they've reached the end of grace or the finished work, or all that. St- you know, they've gone off into all kind of crazy things. It's because th- they haven't recognized the potential of what all this is. I maintain that when you start exploring the height, the depth, the width, and the breadth of the love of God, and you see that this power is working in within you. I, I'm going to acknowledge more power. I'm going to let that, I'm going to turn that power loose. So, what Paul writes, listen to me closely. What Paul is writing to us in these, in these verses from 14 to 21 is not something to exercise our intellect. It's not something that we just store in, in our minds or say, gosh, that was really, that was phenomenal uh, revelation and teaching. I'm going to, I'm going to pull back on that someday. He's writing with the full intent. He's writing with spirit inspiration. Not that it just tickle our intellect. Listen. But that we experience it. That we experience it. Knowing truth. The truth that you will know the truth. The truth that sets you free. And this is freedom setting truth. The truth that sets you free is not intellectual understanding. It's not taking concepts and say, I grasp it. I get it. What's the next one? What's the next big revelation? What's the next big concept? No, 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 no. It has nothing to do with mentally. It's not grasping a concept or a theory or steps. When we experience Paul's revelation, that word then becomes the very center of our being. That's what Paul is after when he's saying this is a spirit connection, that you would be strengthened with all might according to his spirit in your inner man. That you don't, This is where you experience this is what you live out of. This is the source of life. This is this is where you hear Him. Right? This is the center of activity. This is the switchboard. I don't know how else to say it. He has brought us as manifested sons, manifested daughters, to that point in development when, frankly, I'm not happy just to get a, an intellectual understanding anymore. I spent enough time in school. I've, I've read enough books. I'm not happy with just an intellectual understanding. Now don't get me wrong, I I enjoy learning in my mind. I enjoy uh, exercising my mind. I enjoy expanding my mind. I enjoy reading new things. But, But at the end of the day, when it comes to the life in the spirit, if you're not experiencing it, if you're not putting boots on the ground, if it's not manifesting, if it's not working out, then everything that you've placed up here really doesn't amount to a hill of beans. I think we've come to that point in our development that it's no longer fulfilling just to understand and marvel at truth and hunger for another revelation. If you've come to the digital cathedral just so that I could unwrap something like you've never saw it before and you can go, wow, never knew that before, never saw it like that, then I think you're missing the whole point of what this guy's about. I'll tell you what I'm about. I'm about manifesting as a son of God in its fullness and teaching others to manifest as sons and daughters also. And I can't bring you any further than what I am. So where I am right now is understanding that I'm not happy just to have intellectual understanding, concepts, and theories. I wanna be able to begin to put boots on the ground and demonstrate it. So what does it mean to walk in the spirit? What does it mean to live in the spirit? It can't be explained, it has to be experienced. Let's come back to those verses 17, 18, and 19. And this is what we are to experience right here. Verse 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you would experience what it is to be rooted and grounded in love, and that you would be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, the height, and to know the love of Christ which passes the knowledge. Love of Christ, when it surpasses knowledge, that means that you're being you're filling another container. You're filling your spirit. You're filling your inner man with this, right? And this is, this is what leads you into the deep water. This is what leads us into manifesting because when it passes knowledge, he said, I want you to get this and I want it to settle in so deep and so strong that it goes beyond your minds. It goes beyond your minds. I want it to fill your inner man so that you may be filled, right? Not your head, but your inner man, your spirit man, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Verses 17, 18, and 19 is the doorway into living in his presence and never coming out. You walk into those verses 17, 18, and 19. Let me read them again. Verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love. When your life starts being rooted in grounded love, you've got to live that out. That means you're going to be confronted with situations that challenge that love. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised when you are in circumstances. Maybe it wasn't your fault. You didn't call for it. But it's going to be a situation that demands that you you reveal, that you walk out that rooted in groundedness in love and that you would know with all the saints... What is the height, the width, the depth, the length? See, that's experiencing us. It's stretching it. It's getting bigger. And that you'd be filled with all the fullness of God. Then in verse 19, he says, To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness. That's something you have to experience. You can't just verbalize it and theorize it and, uh, you know, make an explanation of it that really sounds great. It's got to be lived out. Here's where I'm going. Here's what I want to say to you. Now, let, let, me, let me bring this into today's world. All right, we kind of looked at those verses. And as we did, I hope you I hoped you felt Paul's heart. I hope you feel my heart this morning. Christ in me is talking to the Christ in you today. Spirit in me is talking to the Spirit in you. We're in a time called the parousia. It's a, it's a, that's a Greek word. You may have been familiar with it, and I'll tell you probably the context you are familiar with it. Parousia means the time of his presence. The strict definition is presence, arrival, or official visit. That's what parousia means. Now the church has made, and this is probably the context that if you've heard the word, it's a Greek word, very familiar word if you're in uh, in theology at all. The church has made the parousia a fixed date of his coming, that his presence would be here. In actuality, it means a season of his coming And I wanna tell you at the Digital Cathedral this morning, all of us that are members of the Digital Cathedral, I want you to know that that season is now. You can experience his presence in its fullness now. Paul said that we might be filled with the fullness of God, that we would experience it and know it, live in it, walk in it, be able to dispense it to other people. The church has gotten so hung up on a concept of rapture and second coming. And I'm not, you know, if that's where you're at in your walk, fine fine but what what the rapture and the second coming has become is a filter through which we see every event through which we view life and it's viewed with a a 24-7 hopeful someday when he comes living in his presence I'll be frank with you I think that's a very soulish theology it's born out of the minds of man it's not it's certainly not born out of what Paul is teaching it has limited to us seeing the presence of the Lord in its fullness out in the future until he comes. Now, whether you think he's coming back or don't think he's coming back, I'm setting that on the back burner today. That's not my, my thrust. I have some definite opinions, but that's not my thrust. My thrust today is to tell you that the parousia, the season of his presence can be enjoyed now. It doesn't have to be put off until a future date. There was a time that I read 1 John chapter 3 and would say that that's talking about the second coming. But let me me read this for you and let me just put it in maybe a little bit different light. 1 John chapter 3 verse 2 says, Beloved, now are we the the sons of God. Technons is the word there. Now we're the, the sons, the children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is, and everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself, even as he's pure. Verse 3 says that once you catch the revelation of who he is, that it's going to have an effect on your life. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself, even as he's pure. You'll how do you get that pure? Because you see him as he is. Now, there was a time I would have taken that second verse and said, Beloved, now we're we the children of God. It hasn't been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, when he comes back again, when he comes in the second coming, that we shall be like him for we sh- will see him as he is. Okay, if you, want, if you want to put that out there, fine. That's okay. But I don't think John was writing about an event that would happen over 2,000 years later. I think what John is saying matches what Paul is saying. John is just saying it a little different. John is saying that when we see Jesus, when that love is piped into us, it's gonna bring revelation. That love is gonna conform you into the image of the Son. And as you're, as you're being conformed in the image of the Son, as, as it takes on your life, as your life and that life become in union, one together, that you're going to see him as he is. And you know what? We're gonna be exactly like the one that we see. That's taking place now. You cannot have a manifested son of God without him getting a revelation of how Jesus is. Then understanding that as Jesus is, so are we in this world. We're being brought into that same conformity, into that same image. So let, let me just challenge you with this. That second verse, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Hasn't been yet be revealed what we shall be, but we know that when we see him, when he's revealed, when the disclosure comes, ask Paul. When Paul saw him on the road to Damascus, then he could say, when it pleased the Father to separate me from my mother's womb and to reveal the Christ that was in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles, Paul later said, I'm, I'm travailing for y'all, all all y'all. He's from Texas, all y'all until you be conformed into the image of Christ. So Paul is saying the more that he's revealed to us, the more we see him, the more we become like him. It's not a future event. It's a, it's, it's definitely happening now. Right now, today, we have full access to everything that he is. Paul prayed that we would be filled with the fullness of God. As you as that filling takes place, and I keep I keep getting a wrong imagery that I don't want to convey to you. It's not, again, it's not like the filling of your gas tank with a gas hose that it just keeps pouring in. It's more of an acknowledgement, an unwinding, an exposure, uh, an awakening to this fullness that has always been present in us. We just didn't know it. We didn't realize it. Everything is about the presence. Everything is about the parousia and realizing it. it. His abiding presence has been put off into the future. And I, 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 I want us to bring it into the now, into the now. We can dwell in his presence today, in this present time. And if, you, if you're, you know, we haven't thought that. And that's why people live a hit and miss presence of God living, because it's out in the future. So if we beg God hard enough, plead God hard enough, ask him for his presence. How many Sundays did I gather with the eldership and we would pray that, that God's presence would be with us in the service, that that he would be there like he was somewhere else. That's not carrying the presence with you. What if I told you that it's impossible to be outside the presence of God except in your mind? What if I told you that? What if it was true that you cannot be outside the presence of God? Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6 let me just, let me hit a couple of verses on this. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6. We, we covered this uh, a, lo- a little earlier, but let me, let me just get into it again with you. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6. It says that he raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ. That's not a theory. That's not a concept. That's the truth. You're not outside of his presence. He raised us up and made us sit together with him, with Christ, in the heavenly places. Where he is, you are. You're not coming out of his presence. Now, you may feel like you are. Your mind may tell you that you are. But look me right in the eye. You cannot escape the presence of God. It's wherever you're going, he's beat you there, Right? He raised us up and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. All right, then we'll get to this in a couple of weeks. But over in Colossians chapter three and verse three, it says, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. That's your position. Again, it's not theory. That's not concept. That's not just a bright idea. That's not a good teaching. It's not a revelation, we go, oh wow, that's, that's mind-blowing, how nice that is. See, we've seen it that way. Paul is writing these things, not this, just so that we know them, but that we experience them. But until we're willing to submit to this spirit-to-spirit feeding and allow the spirit to write these truths on our hearts in a fixed position, it will remain a concept. As he writes the truth on your heart, this inner man, this truth begins to explode. All of a sudden now you begin to experience it. You begin to live it. You begin to walk it out, demonstrate it. It becomes visible to other people without you saying a word. I like what one guy said. He said, we, are, we should always preach the gospel and when necessary, use words. I believe that when Jesus went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed to the devil, I believe that a lot of the good that Jesus did, he didn't even have to say it. He just walked by, put a hand on him, just gave him a a nod, a wink, and the miracle took place. What was in Jesus came out of Jesus. As the word becomes our flesh, when he writes the word on us, and this word then becomes us, Jesus was the word made flesh. And in a very real way, we have this earth suit, and and we're, we're the flesh that's now recognizing and becoming the word that we've always been. And so that word now becomes, uh, we become that word's dwelling place. It's habitation. We haven't understood that the realm of the spirit is the realm of his presence. So when you live in the spirit, walk in the spirit, you're living in his presence, you're walking in his presence. The realm of the spirit is this. Realm of the spirit is eating from the tree of life. It's living a life by response and not by choices. It's being very responsive from within to what the spirit prompts, and we, we automatically obey We don't intellectualize it. When he writes the word on your heart, all I can tell you from experience is this. When he writes the word on your heart, it gets so strong that you recognize that pull, that draw, you don't even think about it anymore. You automatically respond. When he says turn right, you turn right. He says turn left, you turn left. Even though it may look better to go straight, when he says turn, you turn. And you don't turn when he says, go straight. You don't look over there and say, well, that looks like it'd be a better surrounding. It looks, you know, if the grass is greener over there. I think that would advantage me. You don't know what will advantage you. Everything works together for good to those that love God and called according to his purpose. Every single thing. You may know what happened to you. It may not look good. You may know how it happened. It may not look good, but you don't know why. He holds the mystery of the Why? Jesus followed him every step. I only do what I see the Father do. I only say what I hear the Father say. He responded. See, that's, that's living out of spirit. That's, that's not only uh, uh, hearing spirit, it's walking spirit. And that, that's what Paul's trying to get us to do. He's trying to pull us into this place where we live in the presence of God so that we can do this. You, you can't make up your mind. Well, I guess today I'm going to live in the spirit. It doesn't work like that. It's developed. It's a growing experience. All of these things that we're talking about comes from within. Isn't that what the 16th verse said that we read today? Let me read this again. Verse 16. Let the word. Let. Let it. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's not just this word. That's the word that he speaks to you. When he speaks to you, give it entrance. Let it in. Give it full access. Don't restrict it don't say, well, I, I, I don't know about that. Don't restrict it, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. He's trying to fill you up, and you're trying to talk yourself out of it. Don't do that, right? That's, let, me, let me finish that 16th verse again. Chapter 3, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs that's Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16 let me go back to our text today in in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 16 that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through the spirit in the inner man we're talking about this work that goes on within us inside of us a work that is rooted within and it bears fruit without you wonder, how, you wonder how to how to how to grow the fruit of the Spirit? It first grows within, then it grows without. The life has got to be within, and then the life demonstrates without. Once you get it within, it automatically comes without. Galatians chapter 5, verse 25. Look at this. Back it up just a couple of pages to Galatians chapter 5 and verse 25. Here it is. If we live in the Spirit, we should also walk in the Spirit. There's an inward-outward. If we live in the spirit inside, then we need to walk in the spirit on the outside. You do the living in here. This is where you do the living. This is where it's all constructed. This is is where the process takes place. And it can be a slow process. I'm not going to tell you it can't be. It can be a relatively slow process. But as the process works then you walk that out. And that's what Paul is trying to get at here. We live inwardly by spirit. Then we grow the fruit of that by walking outwardly in the spirit or walking in his presence. His presence moves from nurturing us inside to demonstrating outside, a.k.a. manifesting as sons of God. That's That's what it is, right? That's what it is. It nurtures us inside, we demonstrate it outside. That's what what manifesting as a son of God is all about. That's as simple as it is. But it it starts with the yielding of the process inside. That development inside of Zoe conforms the body on the outside to the inside life. I know that we've all come far enough away from religion that we're not trying to change the man outside. We can never modify that man. you cannot, it's, it's, it's impossible with flesh to control flesh. We develop the insight when the Zoe, the life of God, which is pumped into us by his love, when that filters through every part of our life, our thoughts, our actions, every part of us, then we demonstrate it on the outside. Here's what I'm trying to say. I'm not saying it very good. hope I'm getting through. The inside man controls the outside man. He does. If the spirit, Romans 8.11, if the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, listen closely. If the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, that spirit worked in, brought life to him, dwells in you, it will quicken. Listen, it will quicken your mortal bodies. Romans 8.11. The spirit that raised Jesus, if it dwells in you, it will quicken. Can I tell you a, a little revelation here that maybe you hadn't considered? Your flesh actually receives its life from the spirit. As long as your spirit is, is pumping the zoe to you, you ain't going nowhere. You're not going to die. That's the way God designed it. Did, did, you, did you notice our passage of the day, Roman, uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, 21? It's all about an inside job. It has nothing to do with about your behavior on the outside. That's automatic. That takes care of itself. I quit, I quit, you know, 15, 18 years ago trying to make myself behave in a certain manner because I found a secret that when my inside man is developed and grows strong and is guided by the Spirit and love, you know, outside man takes care of himself. That's the secret. Jesus said, if you love your neighbor as yourself, love God with all your heart, you know what, that's the whole law. Those are two laws that work in us that manifest outside of us so if you're filled with the fullness of God you know like a toothpaste tube a toothpaste tube is filled with toothpaste if you squeeze a toothpaste tube what do you think is going to come out I'll guarantee toothpaste if you are filled listen to me if you are filled with the fullness of God and you are squeezed by life by the circumstances of life we all face them. Jesus said don't you know In this world, you'll have tribulation. Don't let it be a shock. Peter said, uh, don't be concerned about the fiery trials which try you as though some strange thing happened. Like, why did this happen to me? But I'll tell you something. If you are filled with the fullness of God and life squeezes you, guess what's coming out? I would put all my money on the fact that the fullness of God is coming out if that's what you're filled with as much as the toothpaste tube when squeezed will emit toothpaste. If the realm of his presence is within, as Paul taught the Ephesians, then the question is, how do we develop it? How do we develop it? All right, I've got just five, six minutes left. How do we develop it? All right, listen. It's developed by awareness. It's developed by practice. His presence is all around us. It's developed by awareness, by acceptance, by agreement, by acknowledgement, right? By awareness that he and we are one together. We we retain individuality, but we are of one essence. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and you, you're included in the circle dance. We retain individuality, but we have the same essence. You are of the same essence as the Father, same essence as the Son and the Holy Spirit, and they are of one essence together, in that day you'll know that I'm in the Father and you're in me and I'm in you. We're of the same essence. So I need, I need to practice being aware of my essence. His presence is all around us. You cannot escape it. There's, there's no place he isn't. That's called omnipresence. He fills all and is in all. Not, not just externally does he feel everything, he feels everything inwardly as well. Everything that is in and without, he is all and in all, right? His presence feels all and is in all. In fact, the first breath that you ever took was him blowing his nature, his DNA into your lungs. The breath that he blew into your nostrils was the breath, listen, catch it, it was the breath of eternal life because it was him. You have never not been with eternal life. You didn't know it, church church never taught you that. Church said you were separated from God at birth. No, you weren't. You ever look at a little baby and say, look at this whole thing, this beautiful, precious, seven pound baby. It's depraved, it's filled with sin, it has an endemic nature. Did you ever think that? No, you said, look how cute, precious, pure this baby is. It was only through culture and religion that you had deposited into your head this idea that you're out of out of his presence and you've been battling to try to get back into it ever since. And what pastor's telling you this morning, the pastor of the Digital Cathedral, I'm telling all of my members, you were never without the presence of God. You were never without eternal life. He blew it into your nostrils and the first breath that you took was you taking in everything that he is inwardly. It was an inward act. The first breath that filled your lungs was his breath, the breath of life. Somewhere along the line, we got amnesia. We forgot who we were. We forgot our origination. And because we forgot our origination, we were in doubt about our destination. Fearful of death because we didn't know where we would end up. Romans 11.36, and I've probably quoted this verse a hundred times in the last year because it is so inclusive and so tight. Romans 11.36 says, everything comes from God. It passes through God and returns to God everything, including you and me. Once you have confidence in your origination, you never again sweat your destination. You know where it is. So we need to reprogram ourselves. And how do we do that? We practice his presence. There's a great little book by that title, by Brother Lawrence. Many of you at the Digital Cathedral have probably read it. You need to pull it off the shelf and read it again in light of what I'm telling you this morning. Because Paul's trying to pull us into this life of fully aware, being aware 24-7 of the Father's presence. And you can do that. Brother Lawrence took you on a trip. I'll I, I tell you where I'm kind of at in this. I'm going through the day, and when I find that my mind is not on him, I pull it back. Now, I, I don't mean that I have to pray. I don't mean I have to read scripture. I just, the, the greatest thing that you can ever say that, that, that reacquaints you with his presence is, Thank you, Father. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for my I amness. ness I am healed. I am healthy. I am wealthy. I am well. I am well-received. I've got a whole lot of I am's that have drawn pictures in my mind, planted seeds in my subconscious that even today are working to bring those things to me because I am. I am one with I am himself, which makes me an I am. Let that that stew around for a while. The stronger we become in our inner man, the more we practice his presence, the more we become aware of him at all times. I mean, the truth is most of us can drive our car without even thinking about it. I mean, if we're gonna walk in the spirit, then we're gonna have to live in the spirit, then we're gonna have to be able to do things unconsciously like driving a car. You can drive your car and your mind can be on other things, but you drive automatically. And so it is when, when we live life. We can become totally aware of his presence even though we're doing other things. So if we're going to live in spirit, then we got to walk out of the spirit. That realm of his presence that you find yourself in now is a realm you'll never, never leave. You may be in and out of awareness. You may be in and out of uh, thinking that you're in his presence, but you will always fully be in the Father's presence. I want you to walk that out today, knowing that that's absolutely true. That's your destiny as a son and a daughter. It's the ultimate experience of sonship and daughterhood. Alright, I think that takes care of today. Next Sunday morning we'll push on uh, with Ephesians chapter 4. I want to take the first 16 verses next Sunday morning, so make sure you're with me. I'm really enjoying going through these books with you. I hope you're enjoying it as much as I am. Thank you for being with me. Thank you for your prayers, your love, your support especially those of you that are supporting me monthly. It's a help beyond what you could imagine, and I really, really appreciate it. You can give over at donkeithley.com. There's a, a donate button. Just hit it, and you can help us keep going. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night on Wednesday Night Live.